Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Will, and we're coming back for a new series of Field Note Fridays powered by Federal Premium, powering your pursuit. So turkey season's over, y'all, and now we're diving into summer. We're kind of in a lull. Not a lot of hunting going on, you know, unless you've got some pigs or you just got some oddball hunting seasons in your area. But nonetheless, it's kind of the time of year that a lot of us are prepping for the fall, going on vacations with the family, just doing a plethora of things before the fall just gets into full swing. And so I thought it was perfect, perfect timing to start talking about elk hunting. And what we have today is we've got special guest Jermaine Hodge, who is a world elk calling champion. And we're actually going to have a three-part series these next couple of Fridays for Field Note Fridays. We're going to be talking about elk calling tips and tactics. And so what Jermaine's going to do is he's going to break down the different sounds that an elk makes, how to make them, when to make them, and doing these calls in different scenarios. And so Jermaine is really good dude, known him for quite some time, and he kills a ton of elk. He's a bona fide elk killer. And so we got Jermaine on here to talk about that. Hopefully you'll be able to take this, learn, practice, and master. So nonetheless, we got Jermaine and we hope you enjoy. Well, man, you ready to well, get this thing started? It, man. Let's go. You ready? Let's go. Let's go. Jermaine, man, it's good to have you on the podcast. We hadn't seen each other for a while, so it's good to get on here and talk. One of my favorite things, that's elk hunting, elk calling. So first and foremost, welcome to the podcast, brother. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I know I've been busy, and I know we was trying to fit some time in to get in, but uh, at the same time, I appreciate being on here. Heck yeah, man. Well, dude, we're gonna we're gonna dive into what you love to do most, and that's call on elk. But first, I you know this is gonna be about three, maybe a four part series. I don't know. It depends on how far we go down the rabbit hole of elk calling. 
But what I like to do to get the podcast started out with is giving the listeners a 30-foot tree stand view of who Jermaine is. So let us know who you are, where you're from, what you do, and let's dive into it, man. Well, a long story short, I'm originally from North Carolina. I live out in Colorado now. And what brought me to Colorado was uh, my background of being a competitive wrestler. And uh, I wrestled for the Army World Class Athlete Program for 2005 to 2016. I laid my shoes down and now I'm a coach. Um, and, and I coached the female uh, freestyle wrestling team for the world-class athlete program. So, um, you know, back, back, back in 2004, I joined the army. Mm-hmm. I joined the army to wrestle and, and serve my country at the same time. And then next thing you know, uh, the, the gifts that God gave me led me to where I am now. And lo and behold, I was in Colorado and, and, I was fortunate enough to land somewhere where uh, there's a lot of elk out here. So, mm-hmm. um, and I love hunting. So, it was, it was, uh, I guess it was destined to be. It was destined to be. So, I'm here and I've been hunting elk since uh, 2006. Been fortunate enough to kill an elk every year. And uh, I'm self taught. Didn't, uh, didn't learn from anybody but videos, YouTube, and lots of grit and grime. So, here we go. Anything you want to ask me? Shoot it. I'll answer it. How did you get into elk calling? I mean, well, obviously you got into elk hunting, but how did you get into the competitions and everything? Well, let's let's back let's back up, Will. I I actually knew that if I wanted to be successful in the elk woods, that I had I had to be not not in shape, because I knew I was in shape. I had to be able to call these animals in and they were callable. And I said, man, if I could learn that piece of the puzzle, that was going to cut the edge down for me because I was in shape. I just need to learn how to call. Mm -hmm. I need to know where these animals stay and what they do. There's a lot of different pieces of the puzzle. And I talk about this stuff all the time. I, I look at it as four lines of success. And those four lines need to be on the equal playing field. But one of those lines is, is calling elk. And I self-taught myself. I listened to these guys. I picked up a diaphragm and I started teaching myself how to call elk, how to use this diaphragm. And I was listening to videos and and looking at uh, videos like uh, Will Primo's The Truth About Hunting. I had the DVDs back in the day. I was popping DVDs in. I bought every video I could possibly buy. Extreme Bully Bulls. I I was buying them all. Hoochie Mama uh, Days. yeah, the hoochie mama days. And um, I was teaching myself how to call elk with a diaphragm. And I wasn't that good at first. I knew how to use the diaphragm. I knew how to use the cow sound. And then uh, I, I just progressed every year. And, and, and I use the same platform when I'm talking about wrestling, competitive wrestling. Like every year, you got to bring something new to the table. If you can't bring something new to the table, you're going to be exposed. Yeah. So. I bring something new to the table every year and I want to learn something new every year that I could change, change me and my success to better the game, to kill bigger bulls and and pull the hardest bulls to to pull in, pull those bulls in. And every year I was teaching myself something new and new and new. And then finally I, I kind of gathered a group with me that, you know, I was, 
trying to get to hunt with me. And, and, uh, well, anyways, they, they came out hunting with me and they, they were like, dude, I, I've never heard anybody that sounds like you. And, um, so with that being said, I had one buddy of mine tell me, he, he said, man, you should enter competitions. I, I knew it was competitions out there, but I, I, I said, man, the true comp, the true judge has always been in the woods for me. It's and that's that elk. That's that elk. And if I could fool him, I could fool probably most of anybody. Mm -hmm. So he pushed me and pushed me. And next thing you know, I went to my first competition and, and lo and behold, I won that competition and I think I just tripped into first place, but I don't know. And, and, uh, it was back in the, uh, uh, was it 2019, 2019. It was my first competition. Actually, 2019 was the first time I was on stage period. And, um, I got out there and they said the rules of the game, right? It's a game, but, but remember this, I'm a competitor and I'm not trying to lose anything that I do. But the nerves were just as bad as if I was, you know, on a stage wrestling. And um, so they they said, if you draw a number one, you have to draw twice and you have to blow twice. You have to blow those calls twice. So the first one is just to open up the, the judge's ears. Yeah. And then the next one is you're judging. Uh, that's when they put it all on the score sheet. So I went out there. Drew number one. I said, Gee, Jesus, I got to do this twice. <laughs> and then I drew, I drew number five. I think we had like seven or eight competitors in that particular competition. It was here in Colorado Springs. And um, sure enough, I went out there the first time. I blew. And I could see the crowd kind of acting funny. And I was like, that was either like, yo, this dude's really good or he's really bad. I couldn't judge it. I was just kept going through my, my, my routine and, you know, 45 second bull sounds, 45 second cow sounds. And so lo and behold, uh, I listened to every competitor afterwards before I went up there and did basically the same routine. Yeah. And uh, I listened to him. I was like, Hmm, he needs work. This, that, this one, he needs work a little bit, this. And sure enough, the judges come out afterwards and they're like, your number three, you know, placer is this. And number two place, I was like, wow, I didn't even place at this thing. And your number, your your first place winner is number five. And I was like, oh, I won. <laughs> and I went up there and that's when I met the Deesmans. And, you know, Thomas and Tom Deesman, uh, they run mile high note game calls really great really great people great company and they run it up there in uh just just west of uh just west of denver and uh they were running that competition as judges and they had their game calls out one night and uh i was talking to them and and they said this was your first time this your first time um calling the competition i said absolutely first time they were like who are you? I was like, I just told them a little bit of my, about myself, and, yeah. and next thing, next thing you know, they're like, "Man, you're good enough to compete on the big stage, and you should try it." So they gave me the the good pump, like you should go, and uh, I said, "Okay." I said, "Let me try one more competition," and it was regionals up in Salt Lake City mm -hmm. at the Western at the Western Expo, and I was like, "Ah, let me get out of here." I get over there, 
I had to, I had a, I had a mission that I had to do. Prior, uh, it was already in the mix, but I said, I think I could fit this in. So I'm gonna fly into Utah, fly out of Utah, and then fly over to wherever I had to go at that time. And uh, I flew in and checked in, and I think it was like 32, 33 contestants that were in that bracket. Now I said, man, it's a big bracket. And while I did, I was like, man, these guys are good. I said, some of these guys are really good. And uh, I did my rim, my best rendition of being in the woods, and I ended up 14 out of 32 or 33. I was like, oh, my God. I said, I just got my butt whooped. I came back. I told my wife, I was like, ain't no way. I said, I said, I got to go again. I said, I was, I was fired up. I was like, so I before world championships, there was a month. I did nothing but practice for a month. And I practiced hard. And I, I, I learned every call I could possibly learn. And, and I say I learned them. I knew them, but I wanted to perfect them to, to be on that stage. And when I got on the stage, uh, when I got to world championships in, in Utah, Park City, Utah, I yeah. said, you know what? Let me, be the, let me just beat a couple people. I'll be cool with just beating a couple people. And uh, I show up. Sure enough, I win my first one. I'm like, man, that that dude was good. I said, I don't even know how I won that. It was like, it was uh, seven judges, and I I think I won it. Uh, ooh, it was uh, three three to four, three Damn. to four. I think is what I won that first one. I was like, wow, I just squeaked by. And then uh, the second one was a five to one victory because I, it was seven judges back there, so they they judge it. Whoever won, whatever, that's your judge and whoever's against you, right? Yeah. So I, I won I won that one five to one. And then I said, Well, now I'm in the, I think it was five matches. I think I won one more. Don't quote me on this. I, I ain't looking at the bracket right now. And um anyways, I ended up making the semis. And if you make the semis, you you advance to the next day. Mm-hmm. And that was a single elimination bracket. So you cannot be eliminated. Once you get to the semis, you cannot be eliminated unless you get beat twice. Right. So at the, at the semis it's top four and they only place the top four. Yeah. So leading up to the semis, if you get beat, you're done. And I just went through the bracket and I just did, did my best. And next thing you know, I was in the, I was in the semis and I, I won a really tight heat three to four. And, uh, and then I got in the finals. I said, you know what, no matter what, I've already succeeded past my expectations. I said, I want to, I just just score out here and compete. And I think I tripped into the first place spot (laughs) and I won, and I won, I won my first world title in, in, in 2019. And then that was like the precedence of, you know, where I am right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, but none of it, none of it was by fluke. It was a lot of practice and it was a lot of time in the woods. A lot of hard work, man. A lot, a lot of, hard of hard work. work. A lot of hard work. Well, man, and that and that's why I'm getting you on the podcast. So I hope you got your calls with you. I got my calls. I know you do. I know you do. So tell the listeners real quick, what are, before we dive into each separate one, what are the basic elk calls that they need to know, learn, and perfect? Okay. 
I love this. I love this. I did a seminar uh, and it was April sometime. I did a seminar in Denver, Colorado for the Colorado Boy Association. Mm -hmm. And we broke it down by basic elk calls and then advanced elk calls. Your basic elk calls and and you can break it down for three different basic elk calls. You don't need to, to be successful in the elk woods. You don't need anything, but these three, but to kill big bulls, you need a little bit more than that. Right. So your, your basic elk calls are your calf sounds, your cow sounds and a location bugle. Got it. Those are your three. If you have those three, you're going to be money. I was money for years in the elk woods, just using calf, cow, location bugle. Mm-hmm. And if you can remember those three, you will be successful. And if you can master those three, you will be successful. I'm not saying you're going to be successful every year and year out, because I remember, let's let's back up. I told you there's four lines to success. And if you have those four lines in equal sync, then you're definitely going to be successful every year and year out. But the three sounds for elk sounds is calf sounds, cow sounds, location bugle. Run us through those. All right. So your calf sounds, you got to, you got to think of this like a adolescent, uh, a kid that's talking to you. Yeah. His or her voice has not dropped yet. And when they speak to you, it sounds like a kid. <laughs> and it sounds just like that in the elk woods. So when you're talking about a calf, the calf, they make these shorter, shorter cow sounds, not as deep. And they're bugging you sometimes. They're, you know, it's a lot of different emotions that you're going to go through um, with these sounds. But they're they're soft. And they're not as 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 loud or as deep and raspy as your older mature cow sounds. Yeah. So your calf sounds, you want me you want me to make some of these sounds? Yeah. So I can make some of these sounds. Give the listeners kind of give them the the gist of what it's supposed to sound like before we dive into okay. each separate one. Yeah. And I, I'm a I'm a use I'm gonna use two different things. Okay. I'm gonna use my open read. I have an open read with me. So for, for some of you guys, guys and gals that don't know how to use diaphragms, your open reads can do the same thing. The exact same thing. It sounds a little bit more raspy mm-hmm. with your open reads. And I love that. I love that rasp that, that those open reads give you because sometimes uh, you're trying to get them to, to listen to your response, your response. And, and without your open reads, sometimes they just, they're quiet. And then I use my open reads to get them to sound off. So my calf sounds with my diaphragm sounds something like this. And it's very soft and subtle. Now, with that being said, with that being said, your cow, I mean, your calf sounds, they can they can vary. Yeah. And what I mean by that is sometimes you get that kid that's, let's say you're driving to a location that's four or five hours, right? Four or five hours. You got your kid in the back and they're like, mommy, are we there yet? Are we there yet? 
And, you, and you're like, shut up. <laughs> we still have three hours. Dude. And then, mom, I got to pee. I got to pee. You know, you, you get this response from these kids. Yeah. It's the same way in the woods. I, I really like to, I, lo- I love Joe Turner and the way he, he uh, humanizes, the, like, man, I, I watched him as a kid. Like mm-hmm. I say, as a kid, as a very new elk hunter. And I took that and I learned a lot from that. Listen, you really have to humanize it. If you can't humanize it, then you don't really, you, you don't have, uh, you, you can't respond to them appropriately. No. Right? You can't. So, so you have this kid, he's in the back seat and he's just, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, listen, sometimes when that calf is looking for mom, they may sound like this. And lo and behold, he's on, he or she's only 50, 60 yards away from mom. And they're like, mom, I'm hungry. Mom, I'm thirsty. They're just communicating with mom, right? And they go nuts. And then, and then mom responds like, calm down, right? Calm down. So let me back up your open read. Usually when you see those narrow those narrow die uh so your open read has uh uh basically a big tube and it narrows down to a, a reed that's laced over um basic almost like a duck call if you ever seen a duck call yeah. it's almost exactly yeah, yeah. like a duck or like call. a coyote open has, call yep and it has a castration ring on that and that castration ring is a certain point you can move it up and down but it it helps you kind of meet that point of where your lips should run. Now, as I got older and more advanced, I I take my castration rings off that reed totally because I use the whole reed. Yeah. And I move I move my lips from the very beginning of the reed with a little bit more pressure. And as I go into the reed, I release my pressure. But most of your calf sounds are going to be with the smaller, your smaller open reeds. And those smaller open reeds are not as big. They, you know, some of the ones that are, that are giant, those are more your mature sounds. I mean, your mature cow sounds, mm-hmm. but the open, the, the smaller diaphragms, I mean, it's smaller uh, open reeds. They are your, more your calf sounds. Yeah. So, with this, with this one, I'm gonna just make a few calf sounds. And those sounds are the exact same sounds, but just with a little bit more rasp to it. And it has a little bit of pop. You can hear that reed yeah. moving a little bit more. It's a little different. And yeah. if you yep, and if you've been in the woods long enough, you'll hear it. Those cows sound almost identical to that. And everybody's voice is different. Like my voice is different than yours. Mm -hmm. And you'll hear it out there in the woods. Each of those cows are different too as well. So there's your calf, your calf sounds. More of that. Mommy, where am I at? Can we, are we there yet? I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. This, you know, like, (laughs) Jesus, 
Shut up. Dude, I'm, I'm not going to lie, man. When I, when you and I first talked about this over a year ago, when I went in the Elkwoods this past fall, and I was doing that, we'll get into it, but the the la, the the lost calf and, and cow call, I was doing that. And the whole time in the back of my head, I was thinking about you going, Mommy, Mommy, shut up, yep. kid, Mommy. And so, yep. like, man, we I was doing that. And all of a sudden, I was with Cody, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, here's sounds like a freaking horse running up behind us. Just <laughs> we look behind, seven yards. There's a cow just standing right at us, and we're like, "Oh, yep." She came in hot. I I don't know how many times I've I've done calf sounds, and I I'll pull in a cow immediately, mm-hmm. immediately. If there's if there's an elk in there, you might hear. That bull sound off if it's a bull with them. If it's no bull with them, boom, that cow is running. Whether it's a calf, another calf. Now remember this, and I spoke about this some years ago. And people, people would be shocked. Listen, especially I spoke about this at, at uh the, the Colorado Bull Association seminar. I said, listen, it's nothing to throw out a calf sound and you hear another calf. If you're in, in a good location, you got some elk out there and you hear another calf and that calf comes running. Why? Why does that happen? Because kids want to play with kids. Yep. Kids want to play with kids. And they say, oh, hell, it's friends out here. And they go running. <laughs> and what happens? Mom starts following. Uh-huh. And then after that, what happens? The whole herd. Big daddy's, like, Big daddy's right behind them. Dude, that is exactly what happened to us. Exactly. And I, I'll, I'll save that for a little bit later in the podcast, but that is exactly what happened to us last year. And we had like a 350, 360, like almost in our laps. Yep. It happens every time, especially if you're in a good location mm-hmm. and those those cows have calves with them. Yeah. And, and you throw out some calf sequence sounds, and then next thing you know, you hear a calf. Just keep doing that. You'll bring that calf. That calf is going to bring cows. And right behind him, it's going to be daddy. Oh, yeah. Well, I will get into that. Well, give us, real quick, just give us a quick uh, a quick cow call, and then give us a location yep. bugle, and then let's come back to the calf. Okay. So, like I said, your calf sounds are your more, your shorter uh, cow sounds. And don't be afraid, while I'm talking about this, don't be afraid to use your tube to use to make those cow sounds. And I'm going to do that too for you. So your cow sounds are a little bit more mature. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit longer and they sound a little bit deeper. Now, if you, if you use a certain reed that can do both great for you, I use one reed to make my cow sounds. And then I use another reed to make my bull sounds. But right now what I'm going to use is my bull reed because I can make cow sounds with it too as well. So, your cow sound sounds like this. That's your basic mew. Now, we'll go into a little bit more in-depth cow sounds, but I want to bring you back to what I was talking about. Don't be scared to use your tube when you're trying to reach out there at a distance or sound like a little bit more mature cow. So it sounds like this through the tube. 
Well, do you and do that on windy days too? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, because I want I want to resonate. I wanted to, I wanted to echo out because on windy days the wind starts cutting that volume down and it's only going to sound like a cow and they can hear it versus if I was doing a cow sound with the diaphragm read and, and, and it's windy 30 mile an hour gust and they can't, they could barely hear it and they don't think nothing of it. But if I use my tube on the windy days to throw that cow sound down, they could hear it a lot better. No. And it might only sound like I only had the diaphragm in my mouth as well. Now I said this before with, with those open reads, you can do those same, same sounds. And, but with those, those open reads, they're a lot bigger. They're they're You can grab those reads is like a big duck call. Right. Yeah. And you can make those same sounds with those open reads. And it sounds like this. And you just, you don't have to blow hard, but those sounds have a little bit of rasp in them, like I said before, because that diaphragm, that, that open reed diaphragm that's sitting on the top, it vibrates. And when it vibrates, that's where you get that little bit of a rasp to it. But you can do the same sound that I'm doing with the diaphragm with those open reeds too. So for the ones that, that don't know how to use those, those diaphragms, don't sleep on those open reeds. Got it. Now, what's your location bugle sound like? All right. So location bugle. So what I do for a location bugle is I take a cow sound and I elongate that cow sound. And it sounds like this without, without a tube. It sounds like this. And I drop it off at the end. Mm-hmm. So then when you put it through a tube, it resonates that sound. But remember this, once you learn how to do the cow sound, just elongate that. And you want to make that tone last a little bit longer. And it don't have to be super long. You're not, you know, like a duck caller. You know, you yeah, ain't doing all that. No. I ain't never heard a duck sound like that. No, I've never heard it. I've never heard an elk sound for thirty seconds, <laughs> and then drop it off. Right? He he's not doing that. Sometimes they're shorter, and then they drop them off. Sometimes they're longer, and they drop them off. But it sounds like this through the tube. And I put a little bit of motion at the end of it and I drop it off. And it can be short and it sounds like this. And he's just, you know, probably an adolescent bull. Adolescent bull, he doesn't have the lung capacity as some of the bigger bulls and he drops it off. He's just letting you know, hey, where are you? I'm over here. That's all he's doing. One more time for the two. And I drop it off at the end. Nothing crazy, nothing violent. But I get a little bit more motion at the very end and and I throw a little bit more voice into it. Like, I'm just saying like that, that gut punch. That gut punch. Yeah, you just got punched in the gut. I like it. Well, let's let's get back to the calf calls. The first part. Okay. So, like I was telling you, um 
I was doing a lot of lost calf in cow calling last year. And okay, man, like I told you, that cow, she freaking, like, I thought she was going to run us over if I didn't have this Aspen between me and her. And uh, lo and behold, the whole herd starts coming up the side of the hill that evening too. But give us some examples of that, that lost calf and cow sounds and, you know, why do they do that? Or, you know, let's dive into that a little bit more. Um, I, I'm going to give you a story because I, I love stories, man. Let's hear it. I, I, I had, uh, I had went down to this particular area, um, and we had scouted and we found lots of elk and lo and behold, uh, opening day, me and my buddy go into this particular spot and man, it was like, I usually when I see trucks park, I usually don't go in there, but I had found a lot of elk in there. And I said, this is a vast amount of area. Mm-hmm. I said, if we run into somebody, I'd be shocked. But I wouldn't be because I seen like three trucks down there parked already. And I don't know which way they went. So me and my buddy kind of ventured off to the far right and kind of we was going to sweep into this big bowl. And it's a big area. It, it It's at least from one end to the area to the other end. It's about seven miles stretch. But you could see this area from the road. Yeah. And it's lots of elk in there and it's lots of elk in there in, uh, I would say July, August and early September is a lot of elk in there mm-hmm. until they get pressured. Yeah. Right. So I went in there knowing that it was already pressure in there because there's different trailheads to get into that area. But anyways, we go in there and I said, we, we probably about two miles in and we haven't even swept left or right. We just, up up and in and um i told my buddy i said listen go up the hill about 100 yards from me i said let's just talk to each other i said you can cut whatever sounds you want to cut and and he's a really good uh elk caller too and uh i said and i'm gonna sit back here and i'm gonna i'm gonna cut some sounds and we're just gonna talk to each other we call it cold calling right yeah cold calling let's just see if we can get one to answer if one answers we'll move in that direction and link up well, we started calling to each other and we were about, I don't know, maybe seven minutes into our calls and I'm laying out these calf sounds. These calf sounds, they sound like this. And I'm laying out these calf sounds. Yeah. And sure enough, down the hill from where we came from, I heard a calf call right back. So you know what I did? I sat there still as possible. I cut my GoPro on and I said, I let my buddy take over. I hit him. I hit this, this, this calf with a cow sound too. Excuse me. And, uh, I hit him with this, the cow sound. I mean, the calf sounds. And then I followed it up with this. A little bit more deeper and mature cow. Yep. And sure enough, that calf lit up. She went nuts. She went nuts. And then next thing you know, I'm sitting there and my buddy's taking over. He's up the hill just calling from me. Yeah. For me, at that point, it was for me. And I, I'd say, we, we have a thing where if I get quiet, for a while, you know something's on me. 
So I was quiet and he knew something was on me. So he just kept going. And uh, this calf comes up with mama, comes right up. There's only two of them. They were by themselves. And that was early September. So I know some of the bulls are, are still bachelored up or just split up and they haven't grabbed all these cows yet. Mm-hmm. And I didn't call mama. I called the calf. The calf wanted to play with another kid, right? I said this before. Kids want to play with kids. Yeah. The kid comes up first. She comes up and she literally comes up. Probably she started up when I first seen them. They were about 60 yards. They come up the hill. And now remember, this is early morning going into evening, right when the light started hitting the side of the hill. So the thermal started changing. The wind was no longer kind of going downhill. It was kind of switching to go uphill. Mm. So they never smelled me. They came exactly where we came from. Damn. So they never they never smelled anything. I, I have no clue why they didn't, because they came up exactly where we, we came from. The only thing I could think of going back in my head is the thermals really started switching at that point because I never checked the wind. When when I seen legs, I never checked the wind. And so, but I, I know the sun started beating inside that hill and that those thermals started pulling up the hill. And this calf comes up and she's calling to me, but I'm silent at this point because if I call, she's going to peg me. So she comes up and she's literally 10 yards away from me. God. Mom, mom, is probably more like 20 to 25 yards away. Yeah. And and I'm watching both of them. I got my bow beside me and everything. And it's way too early in the hunt to kill no cow. I'm like, ah. And, and at the, this point, in this particular unit, it was either sex tag. And it, it's not now. It's a bull only tag. But I said, man, I could have easily filled my tag on that one. Mm. And I, I watched him. I watched him. And then finally... I moved my I moved my my elbow. Boom! I moved my elbow because she was getting really close. She was, I mean, she wasn't that far, but ten yards. If you think about it, ten yards is far. But she was close enough for me to say, "I'm gonna move my elbow," so she sees me. Then they boogie down the hill about thirty yards, and they're like, "This is not what we thought this was." But I used I use these calf sounds. Yeah, and, and I go back on on you know, different hunts. Most of the time when I'm using these calf and cow sounds is mid to late September, mid to late September. Like the very beginning of September, I'm using a lot of bull sounds, a lot of bull sounds. Mid to late September, I use a lot of cow sounds. I still use my bull sounds, but I don't use them as much as I do during the early September months. Mm -hmm. Because remember this, Mid-September to late September, you have cows with bulls and bulls are responding to cows a lot more towards that mid to late September. When you go to the early September months, you still have bachelor groups. You still have groups that split up those. Your homies split up. You got four. Let's say you have four bulls. They were grouped up with each other and now they split up, but they still within that same range. And if you introduce another homie, then they're like, who is this homeboy? Right? They get a little mad, a little angry. Pissed. Like, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I don't recognize this voice. Right? And then your mid to late September, those bulls, your homies, your four homies that are hanging out, they have cows now. Or one of those bulls have cows and they're hanging around. 
and they're waiting for one of those cows to drift off of that herd so he he can pick her up. But then when you introduce another female to that herd, then when you pull a lot of your satellite bulls off mm -hmm. that main herd, I'm not saying you're going to pull that herd bull off that those cows, depending on how many cows he has, but you can pull a lot of those those satellite bulls off that herd because he's he's he wants to be he wants to breed and he's and you just lay out a sequence of cow sounds now with that being said i lay out a lot of my calf sounds towards towards the 20 let's say the 20th to the 28th of the month of of september because those herds are bigger now they're a lot bigger yeah and now now you have kids in in play and I, I lay this out because I lay it out like this. A kid wants to play with a kid. Mm -hmm. And if I lay out a, cow, a calf sound, I'm going to pull that calf. I'm going to pull the cow. The cow's going to follow the calf. And then the big bull's going to come by. So I lay it out as, hey, I'm a new kid in the block. Y'all want to play? And then next thing you know, stuff happens, right? Oh, yeah. So that that's why I lay out my like cow sounds and when I lay them out and the ca the calf sounds and when I lay them out the calf sounds are more towards like that in a month don't get it twisted you can lay them all out you know throughout the month of September you're gonna get a lot of response from a lot of different elk but that's how I pretty much do it it's bull sounds at the very beginning of the month mixed in with some cow sounds then I mix it up between the mid month. And then towards the end of the month, I'm more cow sound heavy than I am bull sounds. Gotcha. All right, there you go, everybody. Jermaine broke down the calf sounds for us. We kind of went through a couple different sounds. He kind of gave you all the gist of the cow, gave you the location bugle. So he broke down the calf for y'all, how to make different sounds, when to use them. And so before we come back next week, make sure y'all get some time to practice that in. If you can, get it down. You don't necessarily have to master it yet, but make sure you just start practicing, y'all. It's, it's the time to get better, hone in on your craft, and get better at being a, a better elk caller. And so next week, we're going to be diving into the cow calls. But nonetheless, we just want to thank Jermaine for hopping on, talking elk sounds, elk calling, and just getting y'all getting y'all some some good information and so hopefully i'll be able to take this start practicing and we just want to thank federal premium for powering this episode of the field note fridays episode and we'll see you on the next one <laughs>